Hey there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who are not quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Brian, I'm on the phone with Ashvin, and today we are discussing Army of the Dead from 2021, our first 2021 movie, directed by Zack Snyder, written by Snyder, Shea Hatton, and Joby Harold, starring Dave Bautista, Ella Purnell, Omari Hardwick, Ana de la Reguera, and Nora Arzenader. And in this movie in Las Vegas, a ragtag group is hired to break into a bank vault that lies deep within a part of the city that has been taken over by zombies. Ash, how are you feeling doing our first movie of 2021? Man, I was so excited to finally catch up to the year. Um, Pretty exciting. And neither of us saw this in theaters, although it did have a a small, small the largest theatrical release, but came out on Netflix at the same time, or a week later, I guess. Yeah, I thought there was like a week gap, right? Yeah, there was. May 14th was the theaters and May 21st was Netflix. That's interesting. And it was, it was produced by Netflix, I think, right? Or, or uh, they, they were like the big distributor of it? They were the distributor, yeah. Is that is that common for like Netflix movies to uh, come to theaters? No, and I think this was only the second time a Netflix movie came to chain theaters. Not the first, mm. not the second time a movie of theirs came to theaters in general, but chain theaters. Ah, uh-huh. okay. I think they had um, some art house theaters or just smaller theaters play uh, Roma. Oh, sure. Remember that one? Yeah, I remember but that. Uh, the Christmas Chronicles two was the only other movie they had in in chain theaters. Oh, okay, okay, cool. And this came out in uh, three hundred thirty Cinemark theaters in two hundred seventy other locations. And I think you need six hundred to be considered a wide release, so that technically barely meets that mark. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's so close. Do you think that's just because like that's what's open right now? Um. I think a little bit of that, and a little bit of you want to hedge your bets because. Not that many people are going to movies yet. Sure. Um, which is why it only had a box office of 780000 I know, I know. So, okay, I, I saw that number and I, I thought, it, I was wondering if they were like baking in any kind of like Netflix revenue, but that wouldn't be included in box office, right? No, it would not. And the budget was 70 to $90 million. Insane, right? Insane. That is yeah. such a huge budget. <laughs> I know. <laughs> for I'm tempted to say for a horror movie, but realistically, this isn't a horror movie, do you think? I don't know. It's like, yeah, action horror. Mostly action, I guess, right? Yeah. Like, not that I'm about to be like, it's so far from horror that we shouldn't be discussing it, but so many zombie movies are really mostly action movies. Yeah. That question came to my mind while I was watching this. Uh, but yeah, I guess anytime you got zombies, you got to give it some kind of horror tag, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Zombies Alone earns you a, a horror tag. And uh, it's really the structure of it is a heist movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of very Ocean's Eleven type of film. It, it, yeah, very much so. Yeah. You assemble your team and then you do the thing. Right, right. Which, uh, I, I don't know, like, um, there've got to be other horror films that uh, kind of have that, like, kind of set. Like, oh, like, remember, like, Predator from, like, the 80s or whatever? Didn't, Dude, didn't, that, didn't that have a similar thing? They're like going there to like retrieve something and then they get attacked. I'm ashamed to say this, man. I've never seen Predator. Oh, all right. <laughs> well, yeah, I think it's got like a similar setup. And uh, yeah, I, I think those kind of things uh, definitely lend themselves more to action. But I, I think it's, it's cool when they layer in like horror elements onto that type of setup. Yeah, for sure. Um, and the fast zombies, of course, helps that action vibe. Yeah, yeah. Fast zombies. That was pretty scary. Yeah. 
Uh, I'm speaking now to the few listeners who have remained on after I confess that I've never seen Predator. <laughs> How haven't you seen that? Thank you for still believing in me. <laughs> where where were you in the 80s? <laughs> I mean, I've seen parts of it. Like, I'm sure I was around while this was on in the background as a kid, but... Yeah. Yeah. I think I was just, like, pretty young when it came out and then never, like, really sought it out. Mm, sure, sure. Yeah. Oh, man, that'd be a good one for us to cover sometime. Let's do it. Let's do that one for sure. Yeah. Let's do it soon. Sounds good. Zack Snyder has also directed Dawn of the Dead, uh, the remake of the 1978 Romero film, which we discussed that remake back in last May, about a year ago, man. That's oh, fun. wow. Nice. Um, that was Snyder's feature-length debut film. He also directed 300, Watchmen, Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, and Justice League. Uh, so... He's got a style. You can you can start to see. I've seen most of those movies. Yeah, um, and uh, there's no connection between this film and Dawn of the Dead, right? No, I think in our Dawn of the Dead episode we said that there was a sequel coming out that was going to be Army of the Dead, but it is not a sequel. And in fact, it is the beginning of its own franchise. Oh, okay. So there are going to be a few follow-ons here? Yeah, so there's a prequel film that has already filmed like filming is done wow it's a prequel film called army of thieves that focuses on the character named Dieter the okay. safecracker yeah and there's also an animated series coming out on Netflix called army of the dead lost Vegas that will focus on uh, Dave Bautista's character Scott on his origins as well as his team's rescue efforts that are kind of briefly depicted in a montage in the beginning of this film ah that's cool wow so this is kind yeah, of and a lot awful. of the cast will be reprising their roles as voice actors for that one so i huh i could be interested in that yeah yeah that that's cool this is kind of like a plug for uh, a number of other things that come yeah yeah um and i, and I think uh, i i feel like uh Dawn of the Dead, uh, this guy's Dawn of the Dead that came out uh, in the early 2000s, like, everyone is a pretty big fan of that one, right? Yeah, when we covered that, listeners were pretty vocal about saying how much they loved that thing. Yeah, great great zombie film, I feel, I feel like one of the, the better ones, and, and that was a remake, right, of George Romero's? Correct, yeah. Yeah. Um, this one, yeah. This one doesn't ch- touch on uh, any of Romero's work, then? Um, you know, man, I didn't notice many hints throughout or nods to Romero's filmography unless I missed it. No, I mean, I've only seen like two or three of his films, so I was I wasn't sure if maybe one of the later films uh, had a reference here, but if you didn't catch it, then probably not. Who knows, who knows. Um but yeah, and then this movie got uh it's got 70% from critics on Rotten Tomatoes, 76% from users. And uh what else do we want to talk about about this movie? It first was first announced in 2007. Yeah. <laughs> and Netflix didn't acquire the rights until 2019. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I got a theory about that. Um, you know, uh, Zack Snyder, 2007 versus uh, Zack Snyder today. Um, like, what, what are your thoughts on this guy? Right, he's like a bigger deal. Um, my thoughts on this guy is that he's not... I feel like he has some talent, doesn't know how to use it all the time, and got lucky with Watchmen. Yeah, and, and like Dawn of the <laughs> Dead, right? Not to like spoil my feelings. You know, man, <laughs> I think Dawn of the Dead was where he used some of his talent. Like the, the opening sequence of Dawn of the, 
of the dead as we mentioned in our episode is like top five openings to a horror movie of all time sure but we had a lot of beefs with that movie too actually i think we uh not to spoil that episode for people but i think we were both at a 3.5 for that oh really damn yeah Oh, okay. I don't know why giving our scores is a spoiler. No other podcast does that, but we're weird. <laughs> oh, yeah. I thought, yeah, I, 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 thought, I would have guessed we were like in the forest, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, that's not Isn't that funny, man? Some movies you remember more favorably than you actually rate them. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> I think it's fun to like, like that movie because everybody loves it. But And it yeah. did, the opening is incredible, and it did some things right for sure. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. But I... I feel like in 2007 when, yeah, he probably first pitched this idea and uh, it became like his, I, I think he had just done like 300, Dawn of the Dead, Watchmen, and I, I feel like that those are like some of his best uh, works. I mean, cause I, I feel like uh, since then he's just gone down, right? It seems like it, man. I haven't seen Batman versus Superman or Justice League, but I thought Man of Steel was garbage, so I avoided yeah. the rest. Yeah, yeah, good move, because I, I feel like those are in the same category. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's a big name and I mean, he's even feels like even, even bigger name now, now that fans were clamoring for his cut of the justice league movie. <laughs> who was clamoring for that? I, I thought like that came in. Everyone was like, who wanted this? But did, did you <laughs> a see lot it? of people did, man. People were like petitioning for it. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you, people, I guess people love like his long, uh, works. I mean, all, all of his movies are probably like two hours plus, right? You know, Dawn of the Dead was only like an hour and a half. I didn't look oh. up the lengths of the other ones. Man of Steel felt long. Yeah, yeah, it did. Watchmen had to be pretty long. I think so. Yeah, I think that was a pretty long one too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, uh, do, do you blame this guy or like the editors? Like, I mean, he why does he just make like such long films? I don't know, man. He he could use somebody to, to edit some things down or, or focus the story a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. Uh, do you think there's any conflict here? Uh, because I, I think one of his biggest producers is uh, his wife, right? Debbie Snyder? Yeah, they own a production company together called, uh, oh, what's it called? I can't remember the uh, name the of Stone it. Quarry. The Stone Quarry. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So, I, I, like, do, do you think there's something like when you're paying for it and you, you like kind of run the budget and stuff, then you're just like, I'm going to make the movie I want. I don't care like how long it is or whatever. Yeah, for sure. You've, you've got a... Uh, you've got less people breathing down your neck because you are the producer as well. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, it's, it's a dangerous combination to be director and producer, have your hands in both. Yeah. And uh, some of the movies they produced that he did not direct include Aquaman, Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman 1984, or Wonder Woman 84, stuff mm. in that vein. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize they were producing those DC films. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. And the special makeup effects here were done by Fractured FX, who we've been talking about recently because they did The Conjuring 1 and 2, they did Stranger Things Season 1, the Insidious franchise, and they've worked with uh, Snyder before on 300, and they did Aquaman 2. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, did you... Well, we can talk about the score in the review, but that was done by a guy named Thomas Holkenberg who goes by the stage name Junkie XL. Have you ever heard of him? No, I haven't heard of him. He, he did, like, the original pieces in it? Yeah, he did. And he also does... He's the guy who did that cover of A Little Less Conversation by Elvis. Oh, okay. That you've, like, probably heard in, like, five different commercials. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wait, wait that, that was in this movie? It wasn't in this movie, but I think that's the, the like, most popular thing this guy's ever done. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Cool. 
Um, but he scored a lot of movies. He scored Justice League, Godzilla vs. Kong, 300, Alita, Battle Angel, etc. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. And, yeah. and, and then, uh, I, yeah, I think typical to Zack Snyder films, you have like a, an amazing like collection of covers here, which seems yeah. to be his thing. Yeah, he loves a good cover. He loves a musical montage. Yeah, yeah. It's a very trademark Snyder things. <laughs> but there was a, oh, it wasn't a cover. It was an acoustic version of Zombie by Cranberries that played towards the end. Yeah, that 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 hit me, man. That was really good. Okay. <laughs> I I thought it was gonna be like some uh, like other band covering it, but I, I mean she's got such a unique voice. Like when when I heard her voice, I was like, oh my god, that's that's awesome. Nice. I actually like the. Um, I was like trying to pretend I agreed with you, and I was just like, okay, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> fine. I can tell. Yeah. I I really like the original version. I I don't see the need for the acoustic. Yeah, yeah. Nothing beats the original for sure. But then there was also a cover of uh, Bad Moon Rising, right? Yeah, right, right. I, I just I, I think most of the times these covers are by different artists. So I was, I was just really shocked or like knocked away that uh that it was actually the original Cranberries. And what was what was your name like, Dolores something? That was the, a definition of a cover is done by another artist. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> you said most of these covers are done by other artists. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. He, uh, <laughs> yeah it, it felt I, like he would have played a cover there, but it was actually just an alternate version. Yeah, yeah, like an unplugged or something he's like, yeah, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, not not a cover. Yeah. It's it was good. Um you know there was a slight scandal with this movie. It was shot in mid 2019, but after it was shot there was a uh Scandal that came out around uh, comedian Chris Delia, I think that's how you pronounce his name, who was supposed to be one of the stars and was removed from the movie after the fact due to some sexual misconduct allegations and replaced by Tignataro. Yeah, and and so this was all done like in post-production and she was like never in the same room with any of the actors, right? Correct. She just filmed it all by herself and they digitally composited her in or they did some tricky camera work to just make it look like she was there that's incredible could you tell that at all i at some point along the movie remembered hearing about that i oh. think there was like a scene or two where i was like this is a kind of awkwardly shot um <laughs> she's like in really the helicopter there. at the end but uh yeah but yeah um I, I could tell it a time or two but for the most part it worked in pretty seamlessly yeah yeah i thought so too i was surprised um, did you spend the time watching the making of documentary that was added alongside this on Netflix? Holy shit, man. No way. Uh, <laughs> called <laughs> Creating an Army of the Dead. Oh, no. Did you see it? Uh, no. I, I just I couldn't find the time for that after this two and a half hour long movie. I know. I could barely find the time for this film. <laughs> <laughs> I tried like uh, d- doing it like maybe while I'm doing something else, but I, that wasn't working very well. So I, I just kind of bit the bullet and, and sat through it. So long, man. We'll talk about that in the review. Yeah. <laughs> Any other background that you want to hit before we head into the Ohio Connection? Um, one topic, uh, you know, I, I we, we've seen a number of zombie films. Um, this, I feel like, is the first one I'm seeing where, and I, I don't mean, I, hopefully this isn't a spoiler, but you do have like a subset of zombies in this one that are slightly more organized than your typical zombie. And uh, have you seen that happen in other films yet? Um... I think I've seen that, but this actually has like a hierarchy of zombies. Again, not to, it's not too big of a spoiler, but there are like fast zombies and slow zombies. 
Yeah, yeah, right, right. And and, and these zombies, like, maybe you can, like, communicate, right, with, with each other. They have, like, some kind of, maybe a, a sort of society or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, is, is this the first time you're seeing something like that? Uh, I mean, outside of, like, the speed differential, that kind of, like, uh, logic or, or, or uh, social structure in, uh, across zombies? Hmm. I, I can't think of another example. I think there's a George Romero movie. I want to say Land of the Dead, where some of, one of the zombies is like starting to become pretty sentient, and I think mm. that even happens in Day of the Dead. Oh, um, okay. So I think some zombie movies toy with that, but I'm not sure if I've seen it to this degree. Yeah, yeah, okay. And right. we have like a a thing in zombie movies where like they do the stuff they did when they were alive. Um, it's more of a like mindless repetitive type stuff like pushing a shopping cart around but uh oh yeah yeah, yeah this might be the more one of the more advanced zombie cultures we've seen yeah yeah and, and in that way it kind of reminded me of uh, 30 days of night in a way where uh, you have like that organized group of vampires who like can kind of communicate with each other so just interesting to see that applied uh, here which I, I know we kind of said that was kind of like a zombie film in a way too right yeah 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 maybe we can discuss the uh impact of uh zombie a villain having their own little society on scariness of a movie yeah yeah right <laughs> uh and then you know i, I thought it was cool uh that, that the cast was like so diverse here is a pretty pretty uh get, i don't know like yeah pretty, pretty cool people I, I i didn't recognize too many of them i mean obviously the uh the main guy uh i recognize him from like guardian of the galaxy um but what about you do you recognize a lot of these people yeah, I didn't recognize too many of the faces aside from Dave Bautista and Tignataro. Um, but yeah, a fairly diverse cast um, uh, and a fairly good gender mix too. And um, yeah, it was pretty well divvied up between everybody in terms of screen time as well. Yeah, yeah, they did a good job balancing that out. Um, Tignataro, uh, I don't think I've ever seen her in a film. I just watched her uh, show every now and then. But have you seen her on film before? I don't think I've ever seen her in a movie. I've just seen her do some stand-up. Yeah. Have you seen that show where, like, a, a celebrity comes on and she has to kind of, like, guess their name or who they are and that stuff? No, that's her show? Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's a really good one. She's, she's pretty funny. I think I think she's, she's like, a comedian, right? Yeah, she is. I, I do think she's really funny. I'll have to check that show out. Yeah, yeah. It's a good one. Cool. Ohio Connection? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Every episode, our friend Alex connects each movie we watch to our home state of Ohio for us through some sort of weird alchemy of six degrees of separation and history or culture or something. Alex owns the Jukebox Bar and Restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio, so be sure to go check them out if you're in the area or get their food on Uber Eats. And Alex says, Army of the Dead is characterized by Wikipedia as a zombie heist movie, a subgenre I never knew existed. It stars an ensemble cast headlined by Dave Bautista and includes Tignataro, Omari Hardwick, Ella Parnell, and Michael Cassidy in the role of Sergeant Kelly, a U.S. convoy soldier. Cassidy's career highlights are mostly from tele- television work, having recurring roles on The O.C., Smallville, Men at Work, and the 2008 CW drama Privileged, where he played Charlie, love interest, love interest to series lead Megan Smith, played by actress Joanne Garcia. In real life, Garcia is married to former Major League Baseball star Nick Swisher. Swisher was born in Columbus, played college ball at The Ohio State University, and spent three seasons with the Cleveland professional baseball team, all located in the great state of Ohio. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. 
<laughs> that was, yeah, that, that was like four or five people to get to that. Yeah, he he really had to go through lengths, and he did this all today. I totally forgot to send this to him. So oh. thank you, Alex. That's incredible. I, he's he's got to like come up with an app or something for how how quickly he does this stuff. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, connect every person you know to Ohio. Yeah, we we will be the only people paying for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but damn, uh, Ohio sports uh, guy, that's great. Yeah. All right, buddy. Well, are you ready to um, spoil some stuff and uh, walk through the plot and then give our review? Uh, yeah, let's do it. Are you sure you don't want to take another hour and a half on this part? You know what, man? I do have to take a break. It might only take like half an hour. My wife's neck has been bugging her, and I promised I'd pick her up this electric massage wand thing she's been wanting from Target. Oh, okay. Perfect. All right. I'm going to go get it. I'll call you back when I get back, all right? All right. Just good. hang with us for a second, listeners. Okay, man, I'm back. Hey, how'd it go? It went all right. I couldn't really resist this thing. I got it out of the box and started massaging myself with it on the ride home and kind of started drifting out of my lane and crashed into this military convoy. Oh, man. In a fit of extreme pleasure. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you you think uh, that your town's about to be taken over now? I, you know, I was so embarrassed, I just got out of the car and ran home, and, you know, I had this obligation to you, so I assume everything will be okay, but I, yeah. I didn't hang around. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a, what you're supposed to do when you hit a military convoy, it's kind of a, you, you just run home really quick, pretend like <laughs> nothing happened. <laughs> that's uh, that's the one downfall of our military, <laughs> those pesky road-ass guys. They're, they're, yeah, <laughs> they're always on the road, and they're so uh, lenient with people who hit them. Yeah, I know. <laughs> It's our nation's biggest threat. <laughs> uh, so, this film's opening hook depicts a military envoy... Convoy? A group of vehicles driving some sort of top-secret asset across the desert. They collide with a vehicle driven by two newlyweds because the groom is not paying attention as he's receiving oral sex while he drives. And they're not paying attention because uh, the soldiers are discussing just what it might be that they're so secretly transporting. So there's this big crash, it causes the assets cargo container to come open, and this sort of mutant zombie comes out, it's super strong and super fast, he kills most of the military people in his path, turns a few of them into zombies along the way, and then this scene ends with these zombified militants descending upon Las Vegas. Uh, Ashen, this felt really unoriginal to me, but what did you think? Yeah, it, it felt kind of flat to me. Uh, like it just—it wasn't like that suspenseful and uh, unoriginal. That's interesting. I—I I, I didn't think about that. But um, like, are you comparing it to like other zombie films, or like you felt like it was repetitive from like other things you've seen? I guess I've just never—I've never seen this exact situation. But like, you know, uh, some sort of military accident that exposes a weapon is not an unfamiliar opening. Oh, and. I guess this just, uh, this dude getting roadhead and like crashing his car into this, it just, 
for some reason something about it felt like very 2003 to me i don't know if that makes any sense uh, yeah you know that rubbed me as like this is like so uh zach snyder like this is what he thinks uh, people in like vegas would would like it's so kind of stereotypical but like kind of yeah kind of dated in that idea right yeah it felt kind of zach snydery for some reason yeah yeah um, but yeah, you know, uh, as you said that, like Super 8, I think has a very similar opening where like some kind of accident happens and it releases some kind of creature. Um, so yeah, you're right. It's it pre- pretty familiar. And then like, I didn't feel like the attacks were like very suspenseful or, or very scary. And, and like, you couldn't really see that like zombie who was tearing people up. Uh, did you think that was like scary or effectively done? Yeah, the main scene when he emerges and at first attacks people, it's shot from like a hundred feet away. <laughs> yeah, probably like a hundred yards away, and it looks like it's so CGI heavy. It looks like it's from like a side scroller beat 'em up video game. Like, oh yeah, something yeah. like a Streets of Rage type game where he just this zombie just like proceeds horizontally across the screen and beats everybody up. It was, it was weird. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was it was really shocking because yeah, usually these first opening scenes like you, you really want to capture and uh, capitalize on like the tenseness and the introduction of the monster, but this one was yeah, you felt like really distant from it. You were never kind of there wasn't like a there should have been like a lot more suspense like when they're coming towards the container and stuff. But yeah, I think you're right. It was like all from a distance. Yeah. Yep. Just kind of felt like it was checking boxes and didn't put too much effort into making this uh, dramatic or interesting or suspenseful, like you said. Yeah, right, right. But then it ends it ends with them like kind of overlooking Las Vegas, right? Correct, yeah. Um, so then we transition to our intro where we get a montage, a montage of some sort of paramilitary team working together to kill a bunch of zombies. Uh, one of the members of that team is our character Scott, played by Dave Batista. We see them trying to save as many people as they can, kill as many zombies as they can, um, and clearly the city of Las Vegas has just completely fallen into the carnage that is uh, a zombie overtaking. Uh, I think there's some sort of Vegasy lounge song playing over this that has kind of the uh, Richard Cheese vibe from that Down with Don. the Sickness cover from Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, yeah. I think this might have been like an Elvis uh, cover, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Was it Viva Las Vegas, maybe? Yeah, yeah, that might have been I, it. I'm ashamed I can't remember the song. Um... Yeah, we see one of their team members dramatically die. We, other than that, we just see some like violence and uh, kill, zombie kills at varying coolness. What did you think? Did anything stand out from this opening montage? Uh, this this also felt like a typical Snyder montage where it's like kind of some very like stylish shots, like uh, they're like posing for uh, pictures. But I, I do like the backdrop here of like Vegas and like the, the how the zombies are like taking over, like how you have these strippers turning into zombies uh, and then people in the casinos turning into zombies. So it's kind of a cool uh, play on like uh, those uh, people. Like I, I know like in zombie films we always talk about how they're set to mirror like uh, real real life and stuff. And so uh, I, I thought maybe there's like some kind of commentary here about people who go to Vegas or hang out in Vegas in the casinos and stuff already maybe being zombies, but now you actually have real zombies on them. So I, I thought that was kind of cool, and the music choice was pretty neat. I, I, I like a, a Snyder montage uh, generally, but what did you think? Uh, I thought it was just fine. Uh, it actually reminded me of a similar like montage of destruction in The Watchmen. Yeah, um, right? And I think yeah. that was set to like Bob Dylan's uh, song, right? Oh, was that about? Yeah. Yeah, it was set to like a very hopeful song. Yeah, right, right. Um, yeah, I didn't. I thought it was decent, but also fell kind of flat. Um, 
I feel like when that a movie's hook is underwhelming to me that it's got to like do something extra to earn me back and uh, I didn't think this montage did anything extra to earn me back it was just fine yeah yeah I hear you like you're already kind of down on what you've seen and then uh, I, I don't know if you felt this way but it was the montage kind of confusing because I, I feel like they introduced like you know three four characters and like like you know very uh, short glimpses of like a story arc with each of them maybe to kind of like give yeah. their background but uh, I, I wasn't able to follow any of that were you yeah, I mean, they, it seems like maybe they were kind of trying to do that. They also show a character die that seems really dramatic for the rest of the team. Yeah. And then that character is not <laughs> mentioned at all in the rest of the movie. Like, that that scene doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> just, I don't know I mean, why it was there. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think any of this montage really matters for the rest of the movie, does it? Not really, man. I, this movie... I think that's a common theme where it kind of sets some stuff up like it's going to matter and it does nothing with it. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know, I, I felt bad, like, should I have been paying closer attention or taking notes or remembering who these people were because it's going to come into play later, but yeah, yeah, you're right. I don't think they ever, like, tied any of this out. No, I'm pretty sure they didn't. Um, also, unfortunately, like, you know, the hook ends with these zombies overlooking Vegas and you're like, oh, cool, like zombies in Vegas. And this is the most they really ever do with Vegas and Vegas as a setting, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I don't think the rest of the movie, it's almost like it could have happened anywhere. Sure. Like any ruined city, right? Yeah. Yep. That's true. And, but I, I think uh, what you were saying earlier about, um, you know, like this movie setting up a, a franchise, it sounds like they're going to go back and create a story then probably out of like everything we saw in this montage. Is, is that your understanding? Yeah, I think maybe we maybe they will. Hopefully they will. Okay. Um, but I got I got to look at a movie as what's going on in this specific movie. Yeah, yeah, and it's so weird because like uh, zombies in Vegas, you think that'd be like a headline and like uh, that'd be like the main driver of the movie. But yeah, you're right. It's kind of like the whole Vegas vibes like knocked out in this montage. And a lot of like the visuals and the promotional material for this movie, the the preview, the trailer isn't heavy on Vegas, but like. The still images and the posters, like, it's all, like, neon lights and stuff, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I feel like one of the downsides of this movie is some people who are liking it are calling it a popcorn movie. And if I go back to our Killer Clowns review, and we were talking about that as a popcorn movie, <laughs> but we said it really succeeded at delivering on the premise that it promised in a mo- in you know the title or the trailer or just what you think that movie's gonna be yeah yeah and anything you might think about zombies in vegas like your mind might go to all these possibilities they don't happen yeah i I don't know because i feel like the plot is still like uh built on like some vegas themes like uh i know you'll talk about it but like you know the idea of like casinos or like vaults and things like that i mean there's some lingering stuff but yeah you're right i I guess like your day-to-day vegas life is kind of out of the picture and Maybe what you'd have thought, like, from that standpoint is gone. Yeah. Yeah, and they certainly don't really use any of it for humor, except a little bit in this opening. You see, like, an Elvis impersonator die, and like like you said, you see these strippers. Um, but that's all they really try to squeeze out of that. Yeah, yeah, sure. I I don't know. Let's come back to that one after we get into the flags. I, I do think they're more like uh, Vegas, like, kind of hits along the way a little bit more. Okay, all right. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Um. We learn that in Las Vegas's current state, uh, after all this paramilitary montage has taken place, there's a quarantine camp on the boundaries of Vegas where people have to stay and prove that they're not infected. It's kind of like a refugee camp. Um, and uh, 
they talk they sneak in maybe a little bit of political commentary here like we see news pundits talking about how you know uh anybody who says anything advocating for gay rights or uh uh reproductive rights like suddenly has a temperature and has to quarantine at this camp like yeah they made it sound like there was the oppression of anyone with liberal beliefs yeah like a police state right there yeah exactly right using it Um, as a way to silence the opposition yeah and it was all weirdly prescient because this was filmed in 2019 before the coronavirus outbreak but uh i know a a lot of this stuff is weirdly pertinent i know like like they had temperature checks with yeah like the temperature guns that like nobody really even knew existed until coronavirus (laughs) i know i know that was that was crazy i I assumed like that was a play on uh the the virus like what we've seen the last year but uh this is all before that which is wild yeah you know, uh, Coop in our Discord server shared an article theorizing that all of Zack Snyder's movies were like purporting an ultra conservative viewpoint. Hmm. Um, and I meant to read that, but I didn't. Um, mm-hmm. This one seemed to be saying like, "Hey, you, they're rounding up people with liberal beliefs," but uh, I think yeah. you could also construe this as like the other way, like a conservative point of view of why you shouldn't limit any freedoms like during the coronavirus, right? Because you could persecute somebody by uh, their oh. their temperature or their health. Yeah, kind of like big government uh, going uh, like a t- too far, right? Right, yeah. So there's maybe some political commentary in here. S- Sean Spicer, yeah. the White House, ex-White House press secretary has a cameo. Was it? Was that actually him? I, th- I thought that must have been like a like a, like someone pretending to be him or something. But was it, it was him? actually him. His name's in the credits. Wow! How did they get that guy? They also talked about protesters storming the Capitol, which oh. was prescient as well. Holy shit! Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and and then I, I think sometimes they would like quote their president, and it would be like kind of like a really casual, maybe like you know representative of like our our last president. So I I couldn't tell how on the nose they were being versus like was it just coincidental. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they definitely were kind of ripping Trump because it was just like the kind of quote that only Trump would say. Yeah, right, right. Um, so in this camp, we meet a young woman named Kate who works there. Uh, we learn later in the film that Kate is Dave Bautista's character's daughter. And Kate has an encounter with a woman in the camp who is her friend, and she's considering sneaking into the zombie-infested portion of the city to try to steal some money, I think, to buy her and her children's freedom and be able to exit the camp. Um, Kate tries to convince her that it's too dangerous and not to go, but she soon find out, finds out that this woman is gone and hasn't returned, leaving her kids stranded. Ashwin, were you a little bit confused about how this camp worked? Like, how you get out of it and, like, what the plan was for it? Yeah, I'm still not 100% sure what was going on here. Like, uh, yeah, where, where did these people come from? Were these people who lived in Vegas and had to evacuate the city? Yeah, I assume there were people who lived in Vegas and had to evacuate and, uh, I guess I don't know if there was a plan to relocate them, but they just weren't doing it until they could prove that they were clear health-wise or what. Oh, okay. Uh, And then uh, this woman uh, who went inside, she was going to get money so that uh, her and her kids could get out of the camp. Uh, Where were they sending people in the camp to? I don't know. I don't know about that. I guess maybe she would have bribed officials with that money to get out or something like that. Got it. Yeah, yeah, it was very unclear. Uh, even like their friendship, uh, yeah, it was, it was just like it was like brought up like in like a minute or something. It was just, uh, just kind of felt like it came out of nowhere and like you don't really have a full grounding on like what, what's going on here and what's at stake. 
Yeah, this movie has a lot of moving pieces, a lot more than it needs to. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, so then we move away from this camp, and we get to know Scott, played by Dave Bautista. I hope I'm pronouncing that name right, because I've said it a billion times. Um, <laughs> and we saw Scott in that earlier montage, fucking shit up and saving people, but now we see him having a nightmare where he has to kill his own zombified wife while his daughter, Kate, looks on in horror. Um and I was surprised that they went through this scene, this nightmare, so fast, because it was just like done with like over dramatic piano music, and it was done really fast in this two and a half hour movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was that just me, or was this nightmare sequence just silly? It, it was pretty silly, and like didn't have the emotional weight that it probably should have had, especially for like the role it plays throughout the whole movie. Yeah, and like some of the the the, the character friction points. Uh, yeah, it was. It's almost like it felt a bit like an afterthought. Yeah, and uh, I think a lot of the uh, a lot of the wind gets taken out of the movie's sales because of the score. I don't know what your opinion was, but I thought the score was incredibly bland. Interesting. I mean, the only parts that jumped out to me were the covers, and then the one non-cover. I I don't remember the score otherwise. Was yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, like that that would that would typically be called the soundtrack right i think yeah and right the score would be the underlying music in the movie but uh you probably don't remember it because it's not memorable <laughs> that's how forgettable it <laughs> it's very <laughs> forgettable it was a slow piano part over this yeah yep ah that sucks um it was super mundane yeah um but we see this casino owner approach scott with a proposition he can assemble a team go into the zombie infested portion of the city break into a casino vault and split a bunch of the cash as long as they bring some of it back to him he can split the cash with his team so like an oceans 11 type film we see scott starting to assemble this team he's told he'll need a helicopter pilot and a safe cracker but he grabs like 10 other people i guess (laughs) uh and did you have any thoughts on this team or, or this uh, sequence where he's finding the team and assembling them? Uh, yeah, you know, just it screamed Ocean's Eleven. It, it felt like pretty unoriginal, but Ocean's Eleven I thought was like a little funnier too with this. Uh, Tig, Tig's uh, conversation I, I enjoyed, but the other ones I felt like were pretty one-dimensional. Uh, what, what yeah. did you think? They were one-dimensional, um, especially Dieter, who I actually really liked the actor. Yeah. Could have been a cool character, but it was this weird like effeminate German stereotype that just felt so boring and again yeah. dated. I was just like, what are we doing here with, with yeah. this character? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, <laughs> very unoriginal in that stereotype. Yeah. Um, it, uh, did you understand why uh, this guy was going to do the job? Like, was he that hard up on money that was he going in there for the money or was it like something more emotional? Uh, what, 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 what would like convince him to go back in uh, to get that money? Yeah, I think he was just pretty unhappy with his life. And it wasn't clear to me if they were, like, living in within, like, some sort of, like, outskirts of quarantine society or if they were, like, living normal life in the free world. Yeah. Um, it One of the lines he says is, like, look at all these people we saved and where did it get us? And I didn't mm-hmm. know if maybe there was a little bit of, like, classism theme here. Um, there was, again, kind of impression of the coronavirus. Like, all the people he assembled for the team... They were like veterans of this paranormal, or paranormal, paramilitary troop or whatever yeah. that helped save all these people, but now they're like nurses and a burger cook and a mechanic and a physical therapist at a nursing home. Like, yeah. they all kind of represented frontline workers, like different roles of frontline workers who were at most at risk in the coronavirus, which again mm. was just kind of odd to me. 
Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Kind of like a disenfranchised group would like, yeah, obviously been yeah, through. Like blue collar people who aren't getting what they deserve. Yeah, yeah. So you think for him, it, this was all kind of about uh, getting out of like whatever poverty he's in or something. Yeah, everybody and some of the other people kind of made comments like, well, I kind of hate my life, so sure, I'll do it. But yeah, yeah. All right, that makes sense. Yeah. So they all go into Vegas. They end up picking up Scott's daughter, Kate, by a accident kind of along the way because she has her own motivations she wants to go in and save her friend this woman who has left her kids behind in case she's still alive in there it's a pain point because her dad doesn't want her to go they haven't talked in many years since she watched her dad kill her mom all those years ago but they go in they decide they'll do it together with this whole team of 10 people they go in they encounter a zombie tiger which is kind of cool and they quickly learn that there are shamblers the slow zombies and alphas, the super fast, strong, and pretty smart zombies. That that zombie tiger, isn't that kind of a, a Vegas only thing, like something you'd only see in Vegas? There you go. Okay. All right. Ashvin won, Brian nothing. They said it was Siegfried and Roy's tiger, I think, even. Right, right, yeah. It's one of theirs. So, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I feel like that. that's like one of the biggest uh, things of, of Vegas, because otherwise, yeah, I mean, most of it's gone. But uh, that, that tiger, I mean, what, what did you think of that? You know, it looks cool. Yeah, I, I went back and forth. I mean, it was obviously pretty heavily CGI, or I, I couldn't tell, because then I read somewhere that there was, like, a trained tiger on site. I thought it looked really good. I was trying to figure out how much of it was CGI as well, but uh, it actually did look really good. Yeah, yeah, it's a cool concept. Not something I'm used to seeing. Yeah. Um, they end up sacrificing somebody as an offering to the alpha zombies so that they'll let them into their territory. Uh, we learn that there's a queen alpha zombie and we see her go return to the king. They nuzzle each other. <laughs> the king zombie listens to her belly, apparently determines that she's pregnant and all the alphas rejoice about this. <laughs> zombies rejoice. And, and this, this zombie is the same one that came out of the container in the beginning, I imagine, right? I assume that that's the king, yeah. Okay. Uh, um, and then... Oh, Zack Snyder's got a thing for zombie babies, huh? Oh yeah, he does. Right? <laughs> what is what is going on with him that he's like so hard up on like, like yeah, implying that zombies can have kids. He's like, this is my thing. Yeah, I'm gonna go down with this one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna rest till everyone knows it's possible. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, sorry, the the other thing that I thought was Vegasy here is uh, this uh, the the zombie queen or whatever or whoever's having this baby. She's also, I think, probably like one of the showgirls or something. The way she's dressed. Oh, okay, yeah, that could make sense for sure. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Ash. All right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these Calm down, everybody. Like Ash and saving you if you were pissed at me before. <laughs> they're just, they're just like these subtle hints throughout that, like kind of remind you. But yeah, it obviously could have been a lot more though cool yeah yeah i still feel feel a little bit my complaint is justified but you're you're bringing up some good points sure sure uh so the group makes their way towards the casino they kind of try to do it undercover so as not to like impose too much on the alphas and wear out their welcome they stumble into a room with a bunch of hibernating zombies which is i guess part of the zombie lore in this movie they of course accidentally wake them up and one of the guys, the, the casino boss who hired them, has made them, has like, he's like his guy in the group. He purposely derails one of the other characters. She gets stuck behind but fights her way out, only to ultimately 
die. And <laughs> what did you think of her fighting her way out of these zombies? Oh, I, I enjoyed that. I thought like her fighting was like pretty badass, and it was cool. And I, I thought she was actually going to escape. I don't know how she got overcome at the end. But what did you think? I thought it started out really badass, and then it went on like 30 zombies too long. <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> and then the out. scene like kind of expands to the larger gang but there's no real escalating tension to me and again here the score it stayed at the exact same pace this entire time oh man um, I just felt like this could have been like a real set piece and it, it was but it was just super underwhelming to me yeah, I, I like the tenseness that built up uh, while they're in there and like kind of trying to you know uh, go under the guys and not make any noise or wake up these zombies. Like I thought that created a really tense environment. But yeah, I, I hear you. Like when once like things get out of hand and they wake up and they're trying to fight out of there, the it kind of like fizzles out the the tension and everything. Yeah, yeah, and I actually didn't feel as much tension as I probably should have when they were like going through this room. But but yeah, when it they, was it was it was a little bit tense when they're like doing the limbo under these zombies and stuff. Yeah. Uh, were you confused by the one henchman that, that you mentioned, why he was like trying to get this girl killed or like why he was like trying to sabotage the group? I was, yeah. And I mean, at that point you really don't know what his motivations are. Yeah. Yeah. But basically he put, he put everyone in danger here. I mean, he probably like risked his own life. Including himself. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Uh, so it just seemed like a really petty thing to do. And then, uh, her, her getting killed too, like... Uh, I feel like she could have been saved because she broke out of the building and they're like kind of watching her. Um, and then like she could have yelled, hey, that guy did this or something or said something. Uh, but yeah, she just kind of dies. Yeah, Scott was like, she's gone. <laughs> I was like, not really, man. Like, yeah, And you guys right have there. blown up like 40 zombies in a row a whole bunch of times before this. So like, yeah. just do that now. Yeah, yeah. Just do what you've been doing here. Exactly. <laughs> um, well, man, so... The team eventually gets into the casino where Dieter, this kind of effeminate German stereotype, is trying to open the safe. And meanwhile, we've learned that this guy who was sent in by the boss is has an alternate plan that he's convinced one of the other characters to go in on with him. He snuck off and he made a deal with her that... If he lets help, if she helps him get a vial of blood from one of these alpha zombies, he'll let everyone in the camps free. And he kind of veers away from that plan. Instead of getting a vial of blood, he cuts the queen's entire head off. This makes the alpha king pissed off. He rips out her dead fetus out of her belly for some reason. And the alphas declare war, essentially, against our, our gang of heroes here. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> what what are, what, are, what are your thoughts so far on like this whole uh, gang of zombies and like uh yeah, that whatever's going on there with the baby and stuff? Um I just think it's kind of stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really have a good explanation for why. Uh I don't know. It was just weird. It was just like he wanted to make a zombie fetus so he did it. Yeah, yeah, right, right. What uh, do you think? I agree, but you know it's, it's like that line, like it's 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 so dumb that is it cool, uh, or, or like you know so out of control that it's like uh, like holy shit that's awesome, like oh he went there and he, and he like created a zombie uh, baby and it's just so like whack, but or or is it just like really lame that like he's trying to uh, make make it out into something that isn't really adding up? Yeah, 
whack or lame. Yeah, man, there yeah. was a there were a few moments like that in this movie where I was like, some people are gonna think just the sheer presence of this happening in this movie is awesome. Yeah, but I feel like stuff like that has to be encapsulated in a plot that I care about or just other things that are well done. Sure, right. I just yeah. felt like even the action scenes and the like, holy shit, they go, they went there scenes aren't really that well executed. Right, yeah. I, like I nothing in here way. ever comes close to the opening scene in Dawn of the Dead. Sure, sure, right, yeah. Yeah, I, I felt the same way. There's something like underwhelming about it and I think you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. So as they're in this casino, we not only have we now learned that the alpha zombies are out to get them, we also learned that the nuclear bomb that was supposed to drop in Vegas to cl- wipe out all these zombies. It was supposed to happen tomorrow, but they've moved it up a day. It's now happening today. So we've got <laughs> this team in the basement of a casino. All the alphas are out to get them. They've got to get to the helicopter on the roof with the money and get out before the nuke drops. Uh, Dieter has opened the safe, so they got that part done, but now the alphas descend on them in there. And this woman character, who we saw Scott talk to a little bit at the move beginning... She's part of the team. She, like, confesses her love to him out of nowhere, and then she is the first to die. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that was pretty dumb, right? That was, uh, <laughs> yeah, because, like, she's, like, all, like, smiling and stuff, and suddenly, like, her head just gets turned around. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that was, yeah, that was, that was really, uh, yeah, it was, it was stupid, man. It fell flat. It was, I think they did a similar thing in Dawn of the Dead. There was oh. there were two characters who were just kind of around each other a lot, and then like all of a sudden they were in love, and it was like oh uh, okay, and then once only just gets killed. I can't remember if they one of them drops off, but it was just like a really awkward thing to insert in both movies. Yeah, yeah, I, I think the weird thing here too is it came on the heels of another like really awkward uh, conversation between him and his daughter, where she's like, "I'm never gonna love you" or something. Yeah, I feel like both of those conversations were just people like kind of putting a bunch of guilt on the main guy and uh, him just kind of like taking it and then yeah the action just starts it just they both just kind of felt out of nowhere yeah they felt shoehorned in yeah right um yeah and then uh the plant traps them all in the basement of the casino uh, the guy you know the inside guy and then we realized that this whole thing was just a way for him to get in to get a vial of alpha blood and sell it as a bioweapon. Um, which, why do you need the heist team? Why did you need to do any of this? Why not just send the guy in to get a vial of blood? <laughs> yeah, go and get one person and get out of there, right? Yeah, they also learned that this isn't the first heist team that's gone in there. They, like, find the dead heist team before them. Yeah, that made no sense to me. <laughs> this casino guy is hiring these heist teams to go in there and, like, do a fake fake bank robbery just so somebody can split <laughs> off from the group without the protection of the group and go take a vial of the blood. That makes no sense, right? The whole... It makes the entire premise of the movie make very little sense. Yeah, yeah. I I had a hard time believing, though, that, like, they weren't after the money because that, that, that was, like, $200 million there. Who, you really think they just wanted the, the blood? Right, yeah. I mean, that's enough money to not just be an afterthought. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they were trying to be optimistic, and uh, before they were saying, let's get both, and maybe this time they're fly- finally like, just, uh, let's get the blood Okay, let's something. just use that as bait. Yeah, right, right, let's get someone in there. Um, so yeah, he traps them all in the basement, he's got the queen's head in this bag of his, he gets out to freedom and realizes that 
one of the characters named uh, the Coyote, who's from the camp, uh, she has swapped out the head with some other object. And right as he realizes this, he also notices that the zombie tiger is right behind him, and it violently kills him and rips his face off. I thought that was a great scene. Yeah, that was pretty cool. It was a cool kill. Yeah, and the, and the gore on the on uh, when the tiger eats his head or whatever, that was, that was pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty good. Pretty gory. Yeah. Um, so now everybody pretty much starts to die. Um, we see <laughs> Dieter save one character at the last minute by locking him in the vault, this guy named Vanderhoe, um, or Vanderhoe. And... But then we assume Dieter dies outside the vault. Um, and I think the only characters left are Tignataro's helicopter pilot, Scott, and his daughter. And they go to try to make it out. Oh, and so is the Coyote. And she kind of tells them to run while she holds up this severed head at gunpoint to, like, get the king to stop in his tracks. And the severed head is still alive. Mm-hmm. But the king impales her with a spear, and she drops this head off the top of a building, and it splatters on the ground, which is another moment I feel like defenders of this movie as a popcorn movie will think is pretty cool, right? Yeah, the head uh, falling and, like, smashing on the ground? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of cool effects. Yeah, and it's kind of just, like, a cool, like, he went there, like, it's a balls-to-the-wall zombie movie. Sure, yep. So, one point for the movie. <laughs> uh, the helicopter crashes... Everyone dies except for Kate, who ends up having to kill Scott, who is now turning into a zombie. They have kind of a touching goodbye. Um, Earlier in the film, we had learned that she only hated her dad because he was distant after killing the mom, and the whole time Scott thought it was because he killed the mom. Um, And the very last scene of the movie is this guy, Vanderhell, who was locked in the vault by Dieter, escaping out of like a secondary escape hatch after they've dropped the nuclear bomb so he steps out into a nuclear wasteland which I'm pretty sure he would have died immediately Yeah, and he goes to an airport and rents a plane with this giant bag of cash and so we see a scene of him on this plane with like two flight attendants he's by himself and they're like drinking together and then he gets woozy goes to the bathroom and realizes he's got a bite wound and he's becoming a zombie and that's where the movie ends Two and a half hours after it began. <laughs> yep. <laughs> what did you think of this ending? Oh, man, I hated the ending. That was so dumb. Like, there was another <laughs> way out of this vault, and then, uh, yeah, he should have turned into a zombie days ago, but somehow he makes it onto flights, and then, uh, yeah, just, just like an open ending, uh, ending kind of, uh, you had two and a half hours, and that was the best he could do. It was, it was really disappointing. What, what did you think? Yeah, super disappointed, very silly, like... I know defenders of it as a popcorn movie will be like, oh, you can't take it that seriously. But it's just like, we watched two and a half hours so it could end with this character who's one of ten that we don't know that much about, like, on a plane by himself that he has rented. (laughs) Like, from a commercial airport, from a commercial airline with a bag of cash. It's just so dumb on every level. Yeah, 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 it's terrible. But I I, I guess it's kind of like planting a seed that uh, in the future, like, this is going to be in Mexico City, because is that where the plane was headed? Uh, I think so. Yeah, so I I kind of felt like it was just like a big teaser for like the next film, kind of like how Twenty Eight Days Later or whatever ended. Yeah, like, Dawn of the Dead ended that way too, didn't it? Oh yeah, yeah, like uh, yeah, zombies on an island or something. Yeah, but, but this was like so dumb, and they, he would have turned into zombie way, way before, right? 
Yeah, and also you would have died stepping into a nuclear wasteland and like walking <laughs> yeah. miles through it. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's like thundering and stuff, which I think is like a nuclear storm or something. Doesn't that happen after a nuke goes off? Oh, I don't know. Maybe. Ah, that's what I thought they were alluding to. Um. Well, I apologize to the listeners. I've been dismissive this whole plot walkthrough. It's probably no <laughs> surprise what I think of this movie. But what what did you think, Gosh? I mean, it sounds like you loved it. Eh? It's, it sounds like you had a popcorn and had a great time. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I, I went into this already pissed off those two and a half hours and having kind of a low view of the Snyder. Uh, but um, this one just kind of lived... Uh, it kind of, like, added up to exactly what I thought it would be, just kind of like this bloated, uh, overproduced uh, nonsense with, that wasn't, like, really original. Um, a, a mix of, like, Ocean's Eleven meets, like, Jurassic Park or some shit. Uh, I, the characters, I feel like, came in and, and out, like... Uh, like nothing mattered basically they were all kind of one dimensional and we could never like really get tied to them and then uh, didn't really understand the relationships and then uh, not, not a big fan of like the organized zombies and stuff so uh, yeah there, w- there wasn't too much I liked here outside of like the, the covers and the one non-cover uh, and, and I thought the gore was kind of cool but what, what about you? Yeah I agree with everything you said and I, I would echo that complaint that we have plenty of times with movies there's too many people and not enough focus on one, one uh, character or even like one or two subplots or relationships mm-hmm. um, that romantic thing with Scott and that woman right before she died the two of them haven't talked since the beginning of the film and this happened like an hour and 45 minutes in so it was probably like <laughs> Literally, and I'm not even exaggerating here, it was probably like an hour and 20 minutes since we had even seen the two of them interact in a meaningful way. Wow, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Uh, so at that point, she's like, what? Okay, why? Whatever. <laughs> and then the believability, the whole premise is questionable. Like we mentioned before, this fake heist just to get a vial of blood. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought the score, again it really struck me as pretty mundane. Uh, um, yeah. It never really added to the tension. And and that's one thing, if this was going to be a su- successful popcorn movie, I feel like the action sequences could have been so much better. Like, they just weren't creative. No, it, they weren't. It was a lot of destruction. Like, there were so many gunshots, so many zombies were killed. Mm-hmm. But there were very rarely moments where I was like, oh, that was a sweet approach to shooting that scene, or that was a sweet, yeah. uh, like, sweet fight choreography. Yeah, right. Like, there were a couple moments that came close. But, yeah, like a memorable uh, Then they just action. kind of fizzled out. Like some kind of memorable action sequence. Yeah, like, there's a scene where Scott is running from, like, craps table, the roulette table, or whatever, and shooting zombies as he jumps from table to table. And, there's and like it money felt like that everywhere. was supposed to be a moment, and it was just like not. Oh, I actually I like that sequence because there's like money floating uh, everywhere, like around them, and like one of them is getting killed, like and, and covered in money. So I, I thought it was like a kind of a cool uh, illustration or, or like throwback to Vegas and like the casino lifestyle that like uh, they're they're in the middle of this casino fighting. But um, yeah, I, I guess you're right. Like not not too memorable though. You did jujitsu me though, and use this as a way to point out another Vegas tie-in. <laughs> I know. I, I thought this one was like one of the heaviest ones. Because uh, I mean, th- throughout the whole thing, they're like name dropping these casinos. They're at like Olympus and stuff. But this was like the one like casino fight scene, and money is like just kind of flying everywhere. But yeah, it's not so much of a back and forth fight scene as much of just like people kind of running away. Yeah, and just like mowing down zombies and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. There was. Uh, what about like that hand to hand combat? 
that went on for a second uh, in front of the vaults between like the head zombie and uh, the, the the one guy who makes it out of the end. Um, that was fine. Didn't really do anything great for me, but I have no qualms with it. Did that one stand out to you as something special? Uh, it just seemed like a really dumb idea. Like that that zombie was obviously like the supercharged zombie, and this guy's like, "All right, I'm gonna go into like a boxing match with you." Like that, that, was, yeah. that was a terrible idea. It was like a knuckles cracking scene. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, but yeah, you're right. Like as as an action movie, I, I think it's missing a lot of key ingredients. And there were things that they set up that I thought, "All right, that's gonna come back in a cool action scene," and doesn't. Like that guy who has the fist fight. Uh, Vanderho or whatever his name is, he has this big buzz saw, circular saw. Earlier oh, in the movie, yeah. they make a big deal out of it. Somebody right. picks it up and he's like, "Don't touch my saw." Right. And in the opening montage, you see him like fuck up a zombie or two with it. Yeah. So you're like, "All right, there's going to be some point in this movie. Any viewer would see this and think, "All right, somewhere down the line, this dude's going to really go to town with this saw." Right. He just, like, doesn't care about it anymore like, or misplaces it. Another character ends up with it. I don't know how she got it. Yeah. Like, what? What a missed opportunity. That's not yeah. how movies work. Like, you don't set something up like that only to not do anything. Yeah, yeah, right, right. We oh, also learn that Dieter, this German dude who's kind of made out to be a sissy, is a really good shot, right? And one of the, like, yeah. getting ready scenes that never they never do anything with that also like if you have a character who's traditionally kind of seen by the other characters as a sissy you kind of got to have this redemptive moment for him where he does something really badass right he did successfully lock the one guy in the vault but all that happened was like you saw his head peeking around the vault door he was like i'm doing this for you bye yeah i know (laughs) yeah i felt (laughs) that was yeah such such a disappointing ending for that character yeah i mean he never really had this moment where you're like all right dieter's got it in him after all yeah right right yeah i know i know that would have been cool i i I felt like that way with all the characters it wasn't like ever like a great arc here for any of them to like kind of redeem themselves or come back from like something terrible was there no there really wasn't or even like the helicopter pilot like i guess there was a scene where she like helped in the fight by some helicopter tricks but there was never a moment where she was super vindicated and like all right she knows her shit with a helicopter like yeah it was just so many obvious things boxes you'd want to check in a popcorn movie that were left completely unattended to totally totally yeah yeah man that would have been such a great movie if they had paid more more attention to those kind of setups and uh, carried those out i, I kind of felt like watching this each character already kind of has like a death sentence on them by the time like you're introduced to them and right. so uh, they're, they're kind of like treated in this kind of careless way where uh, it's, it's like lazy writing with each one because, you know, you're just going to kind of wipe them off in like a pretty like uncinematic, like un- uneventful uh, way. Like, I don't feel like anyone like had like some kind of great uh, either death or like kill or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. And they are all one dimensional, but they've all got at least one thing, right? Like the one guy's got his saw, Dieter's <laughs> a wuss, and another guy's like a YouTube star. Yeah. And you just assume, okay, yeah, they're going to use this at least one thing in a really cool moment before these people die. But nope, the saw just kind of gets misplaced. And nobody <laughs> really, he doesn't really care that he's lost it, even though he's super protective of it before. Right. Dieter never gets that glorious moment. And I don't think that dude ever does any, like, works a funny social media moment into the action or anything like that. Right. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. I think that's another frustrating thing. It's just like, in two and a half hours... 
you didn't go down any of these paths or think about having to check some of these boxes. I know, I know. It's such a big miss. Yeah, like there's a lot of potential here. This could have been a really cool movie. Um, yeah. I don't think this could have been an incredible movie, but I think it could have been really fun and satisfying. Yeah, it's interesting because you're right. You've got like five or six like very diverse characters that are like all have very different backgrounds that are in this. And yeah, you, you could have showed so much more of like their interaction with each other or how they're like responding or how their personalities coming out in these kills. But yeah, they, they didn't do any of that, which is uh, like, holy shit, that's that's such a big miss. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Is that does that remind you of Dawn of the Dead? Like, do you feel like it's similar in that category? I, I almost feel like they did do a little bit more of that in, in that film. They did a little bit more, but we had some similar complaints. Oh, okay. Kind of like one-dimensional storylines, not like really going all the way. Yeah. Yep. And trying to do it with a bunch of characters and not really successfully doing it with even one character. Damn. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. Uh, I also think they try a couple times to be funny and it usually kind of missed for me. I think Tig had the most successes, but I also feel like she had an equal amount of misses. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not yeah, no yeah. Uh, fault to her. It was just bad writing. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, feel like I don't think it. there was like a line of good dialogue in this whole movie. <laughs> was, well, what about the food truck thing that kept coming up? Oh, that was bad too because they kept like peppering that in of like the, his different ideas for the food truck, right? That he was going to start, and then like he, as yeah. he's dying, he says like lobster rolls. Lobster rolls. She's like, yeah. what? Lobster rolls. Yeah. For the food truck. And it's like, you didn't have to say for the food truck. We get it. Like, <laughs> I know we get it. It's <laughs> just like, you don't know how movies work. Are we yeah, the dead? Like, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that felt kind of flat. It, it was dumb, like, when he first started talking about it. I, I couldn't tell if, like, it, because he kept saying it and it was, like, so dumb that it kind of got funny towards the end. But it was still, like, pretty dumb and, like, a, a week, uh, a week, week writing. Yeah. I mean, there was stuff in here where, like, you think Zack Snyder's like, I know this is dumb, but it's going to be dumb in a way that works, and it ended up just being dumb. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Like the ending with the guy getting on a helicopter. Yeah, oh, the the main zombie? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, speaking of dumb things, what, what did you think of that or main I'm, zombie? I'm sorry, not the main zombie getting on the... I'm talking about the guy getting on the plane at the end. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah, that was, that was, that was really stupid. Uh, but uh, about dumb things, what, what, what did you think of the main zombie? And like, uh, you know, this is the first time we've seen like a zombie wearing a cape at certain times and like a mask. Uh, was that cool? Um, I think it was probably cool for some people. I didn't think it was that. I don't know. I'm not easily impressed by just like a cool concept, like a zombie in a cape and a mask. Like, I don't know. What, what did it do for you? <laughs> it didn't do much for me either. I, it, like, it had promise to it, but it didn't really deliver on uh, like where it could have gone with it. So, yeah, it, it, again, it kind of felt one-dimensional. They did make good use of it when Tig, as they get in the helicopter, was like, was that a zombie in a cape? Yeah, yeah, I'm glad someone called that out. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. a funny line. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Um, but like the 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 zombies overall, like, uh, did did you like how they were made up, or like how they interacted with each other, or like the idea of like this kind of organized society of zombies? No, I don't like that. I don't like traditional, like mindless villains having. I mean, I like the theme of them, like, oh, they might be smarter than we thought, but like to have their own society and like have a king and a queen, it doesn't do anything for me. How about you? You know, it, it held my interest for a minute because I thought they were going to humanize these zombies, 
but then I guess, yeah, by the time you get to the end, you realize they didn't really humanize anyone in this film. So, uh, yeah, the zombies weren't really that different than like the main characters in this one. But it, it would have been cool to see uh, them go down maybe more about like them and maybe, I don't know, I, I was kind of hoping they weren't going to be like villains or something, like they were just there trying to coexist or something and they were about to be uh, nuked by the government and, and maybe like there's some kind of bonding between them and these characters, but I guess that, that would have been too much to ask for. Yeah, and hard to pull off probably. Yeah, yeah, I can't imagine, yeah, right, right. All right, man. Well, uh, zero to five zombie heads dropped from a great height. What do you give this movie? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think, yeah, we, we, we've been pretty negative and down on this. So I, I won't like repeat all of that, but I, I think we, uh, you know, kind of agree on all, all its shortfalls here. Um, but I, I, I do want to give it some credibility that it did pick like a cool setting, Vegas. And even though it like missed uh, probably like what we all wanted to see, which is like Vegas, uh, like modern day Vegas getting attacked by zombies. Uh, I, I thought like the, the kills and stuff and, and uh, the lions and the outfits and the casino scenes and stuff still kind of played to it a bit. So that, that was cool. And then obviously I, I think some of the song pairings were pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, characters are garbage. Uh, and yeah, I, I don't know. I thought the sleeping zombie scene was kind of cool. So overall maybe two uh heads being zombie heads being dropped from a great height uh would be my max what what about you um i thought it was yeah i won't repeat all the bad things there were some moments that were just um watchable and mildly entertaining um a lot of those moments could have been really great um but they were just okay so i considering at this movie's best moments it was just okay i give this a 1.5 zombie heads dropped from a great height oh man wow yeah it just like did so many common sense things wrong too it did yeah it's weird because like action films in general like you can have a pretty low bar for and uh i I don't know how to rank this one because like uh it it is a pretty like a low uh low achievement and like a low bar thing but i i don't know like uh, you're right like there's so much room for improvement here and like so many missed opportunities that it's hard to like kind of like not think about those while you watch this film yeah like when even the bread and butter of this movie like the action and zombies versus guns type scenes don't really perform that well then then you got nothing yeah yeah between that and like the whole the whole thing that the plot doesn't even make sense from like why they're in there yeah yeah Yeah, the whole thing kind of falls apart you're right yeah and i I think it just makes it extra frustrating too that it's like 70 to 90 million dollar budget two and a half hours yeah they, they couldn't have done more i know i know yeah so disappointing but also i i can't say i'm terribly surprised are you no, I'm not. My hopes weren't super high, but uh, I, I think they could have done better than this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was assuming you... this would be somewhere around a three or a three and a half for us, but... Uh, sure. Yeah, bummer. Were you, were you not, like, even entertained then? For the most part, no. I just felt like the scenes that were supposed to get me just didn't. The, the camera work wasn't intriguing. The, uh, the way the action played out, like, it just wasn't creative or inspired. Mm-hmm. the whole movie the, the score again was so lackluster the whole movie felt uninspired and lazy to me yeah with, yeah from top yeah, to same. bottom in every aspect of it yeah same yeah i, I, I can't believe uh yeah all, all the production that went into this and the years of waiting for this this is what it is <laughs> yeah well you know i take it back though the part that wasn't lazy was like the visuals like yeah and the visual style of it worked the editing worked um the effects were good but yeah 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, for the most part, there were a couple real obvious CGI heavy moments, but for the most part, the effects were pretty good. Sure. Yeah, I, l- I like the effects and the gore. I thought those were well done. Yeah, it was it was very watchable. There was nothing uh, visually displeasing about it. I agree. But substance wise, it just didn't have anything. Yeah, I know. Such a shame, man. Yeah. Yeah. Nor was it very much of a thrill ride. So yeah. Bummer, buddy. How do you reconcile our ratings with uh, the 79% it has around tomatoes? That is difficult for me to do without insulting anybody. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I don't know. You know, I, um, some people just want, I don't know, man. (laughs) <laughs> I know it's I, I was so I was surprised when I saw that in that I'm surprised too I'm surprised it's got a 70% from critics yeah yeah I know um, I know I think this probably just gave a lot of people what they wanted um and the little pieces parts are there but as a whole this movie just isn't isn't much at all um you know right. and I, I I don't want to insult anybody because my opinion isn't better than anybody else's but it's hard to see how this movie is good in any way. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty shocked, uh, and it kind of made me like d- doubt my uh, criticism of it. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, we're on the same page on a lot of this stuff. So, yeah, I'd be curious. I'd, I'd like to go back and read some of the those positive reviews and see maybe what we missed here. But yeah, I, I feel like there's a lot of missed opportunity and uh, yeah, just a squandered budget. Yeah, yeah, I read some of the positive reviews, and it it's just a just a difference of opinion. There's no. Uh, I don't feel like there's any objective thing that we're missing. But if you think so, let us know, and maybe we'll read it on the air. Yeah, yeah, same. Um, yeah, man. I, I've, I feel like I could talk for a long time about how bad it is, and I, it's already a long episode, and I've been super <laughs> negative, but I just feel well, like it objectively fails at so many things that a movie is like supposed to do based on <laughs> decades of filmmaking, 100 years of yeah. filmmaking. It's yeah. like subverting your expectations in the worst ways. I know, I know. I know, it's really weird. Yeah, you have so many success stories of, like, how you do this movie right, and it's so hard to see, like, how he, this guy did Dawn of the Dead, and, like, uh, you know, maybe we, we thought it was, like, a three, three and a half, and, uh, but even that was, like, a, a triumph over this one. Yeah, man, especially the opening sequence of that is just nowhere close to anything in this movie. It isn't, yeah, it really isn't. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the, yeah, I thought the character was way better than that one. This one, the characters really didn't make a lot of sense. And those kind of turns that you brought out, uh, like him, the, the girl, like, or the, the one woman saying she loves him, the daughter trying to reconcile, like those things didn't make any sense in this film. No. And they just felt so forced and they were such a small percentage of the runtime that I don't know how we're supposed to give them any significance. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Sorry, everybody. If you're still, still with us, we'll wrap it up. cool well if you enjoyed this episode you can give us a five star review on apple Podcasts. that would be great if you didn't and you want to tell us why you think this movie is good let us know and uh we can we can read some counter arguments uh you can connect with us on horrormovieclub.com we've got a drop down for our social links there where you can find facebook and twitter where we will tell you what movie we're covering next week um and there's also a link for our discord server on there so if you want to get on there and talk to some movie lovers maybe you could talk to some people that actually like this movie uh there's always a great chat going on there you can find some what's the word i'm looking for man i'm tired 
yeah, you can find some merchandise of ours at Etsy.com. Search for Amy May Pop Art. She's the one that does our logo art, and she made a great coaster set for us, a set of five coasters. Uh, use the Movie Club code to get a 20% discount, four images of some awesome horror characters, and one image of our logo on those coasters. Uh... I think that's about it, right? Oh, we've got a Patreon, patreon.com. We're on pace to have like a bonus episode every month this year. So if you want to throw a buck our way, you can uh, support the show and get some bonus content. I think that's about it. Uh, Until next time, before you enter a zombie-controlled part of town, be sure to read a book about how to conduct yourself around royalty so that you don't offend the wrong people. (laughs) That was a good idea. Chapter 1, Don't Decapitate the Queen. <laughs> Good place to start. <laughs> Chapter two, you decapitated the queen, not hide it from the king. <laughs> Get the fuck out of there. <laughs> Chapter three, oh my gosh, she's pregnant. <laughs> You're fucked. <bugging. laughs>